As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here once again with Corey Pronman for another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series, still trucking along in Corey's pipeline rankings, every organization's under 23 talent. We're picking up midway through the list today at number 16 with the Winnipeg Jets. And this is an organization that I think helped themselves, like most hope to, uh, in this most recent NHL draft, but they get Rucker McGroarty and Brad Lambert. Uh, That can be a, a pretty big, pretty significant boost to any team's farm system. Yep, I mean you have those two, Brad Lab with the dynamic skater, Rutger McCrory, the you know the very powerful, highly competitive winger. Uh, th- those are two excellent players to add to a farm system that I think you already liked coming in. Um, you know, Cole Perfetti wasn't perfectly healthy this season, but he did play NHL games when he was healthy. Even though he's not the biggest or the best skater, that hockey sense, that skill is just so electric that I think you think he's going to be a really important player going forward for this team. And the one player I'm really intrigued by in the system was Nikita Chivrikov. You know, he plays in a league that maybe not most people follow, uh, the, the VHL, the second-tier pro league in Russia. But he was well over a point per game in that league this season, a big part of uh, one of the best teams in that league. Looks very comfortable versus men. Uh, you know, This is a guy who I think also, kind of like Perfetti, has some electric skill components in his game, even though he's not the biggest or the fastest. But he's, he has a high motor. Yeah, I think he's a really intriguing player. Uh, was just recently traded to Spartak. Makes me think he might come over soon. Uh, and the other 
part of the system that I'm not 100% sure of is where does Vili Hanola go? What What is the future for him? Because I think this, this is a guy who is highly intelligent, uh, you know, makes a lot of good plays, not the biggest guy. He's a good skater. He's not an incredible skater from 5'11 defenseman. He's a guy I really struggled when I was trying to rate him. You know, is he is it going to work? Is it not going to work? I still lean to is it is going to work in the NHL just because of how smart he is. But I think that's a guy you're really hoping to see take a big step next season. He is because when you look at this system, that's probably the glaring weakness is where is the D coming from? And I think you can even include the NHL team in that, uh, even if you you took off the under-23 label. It, it's where is the D going to come from in Winnipeg? You know, they, they take Elias Salomonson this year. They got Dimitri Kuzman in last year's draft, both guys who who could play. Uh, but Hainala was was a first-round pick, and I think at some point Winnipeg is going to need to produce somebody onto their NHL blue line from within. Right. He was graduated because of the age, but I think you could hope for Dylan Sandberg to be that guy, and we'll see whether he is next year. He had some good moments last season. Logan Stanley's probably is what he is, a, hard, a physical third-pair defenseman. But you're right. At some point, there's going to need to be a really impactful young defenseman to come along and help this team. And, and to that point, that hasn't happened yet. Number 15, we've got Seattle, a team that's starting from scratch. And they're starting from scratch in the way that I think uh, most NHL GMs would tell you they'd like to if they got if they had to do it uh, with two top five pick centers uh, with a little bit of size to a Matty Beneers and Shane Wright. Uh, obviously, you know, there, there's a lot of work to do overall in Seattle. But I think farm system-wise, this is what every team would love to start with. Yes. I mean, and, and Matty Beniers had a really solid year between Michigan and when he played with the United States team, both at the under-20 and, and, and the senior level. Uh, looks like an excellent uh, all-around centerman who's, who's going to be a big part of the team going forward. And, of course, the much-debated de- Shane Wright going into last year's draft, who we've talked about and I still believe is an excellent hockey player, even if he's not the most perfect hockey player or didn't have the, the most perfect season you wanted from him last season. And the system isn't overly deep after that. You know, they didn't have a lot of picks in their first year. They've only had two drafts in their team's history. So not being the deepest isn't the biggest criticism of this farm system. But but yes, it's all about how good Matty Beniers and Shane Wright are going forward. And, uh, and I think they are both going to be excellent hockey players. Do you like anybody like from that next group to, to take the step and be a potential top nine guy, whether it's Jagger Furcus, Yanni Neiman, Ryan Winterton, uh, I guess Riker Evans is a defenseman, but if you see him as a potential top four, anybody who you think can really play upper half or upper, you know, two thirds of a lineup in that group? I have Jagger Furcus rated as that currently. I, I, I There are some physical flaws in them between his size, you know, 5'10", weighs, weighs about a buck fifty, and not the best skater, but he's got a ton of skill and a high-end shot. And there were times I debated elevating Ryan Winterton into that uh, level over watching him this season. He scored at a really high rate, played really well, for, and it was a big part of a top CHL team. If he continues on that progress next season, maybe even helps Canada's under-20 team, I could see him being the guy I kind of elevate to that tier. Number 14, we've got the Chicago Blackhawks, a team that is as as in rebuild mode as you can possibly be in the National Hockey League. I, I thought it's interesting. To me, the, the hallmark of this system is depth. They do have some upper-tier guys. I like Lucas Reichel. You know, they just took Kevin Korczynski in the top 10. They took Frank Nazar just outside the top 10. But when I was at the USA World Junior Camp a couple weeks ago, um, I was making my notes of, of who stood out, and it was a lot of Chicago guys albeit depth guys, right? Like we're talking about guys like a Dominic James here, uh, Aiden Thompson, we think would have made the U.S. team. So there is some depth starting to come along here for Chicago, but I do think we're waiting for it. And clearly Chicago is is looking for that very top talent. Yes, I, I think this is, you look at where the organization is, both where they're rating, just looking through the system. I think you can see 
parts of what will be at the next competitive Chicago Blackhawks team, but it's going to take some time. They're not there yet. They've got a lot of pieces, and maybe there isn't a lot of guys here who maybe Chicago fans would want to be rated in the top tiers, but just you look at the odds of these. When I do these over the years, I, I'm not a perfect evaluator. I get things wrong. And the guys I might have projected as bottom six forward or, or third pair defensemen, odds are I'm going to be wrong on at least one or two of them, and they're going to they're going to outperform that uh, expectation. For example, I had Philip Kershaw rated a lot lower. He's now rated as a middle of the lineup forward. So I think you've got to love the depth. I think you look just how many defensemen they have rated as guys I think could, could play games. You got to imagine one of those guys are going to turn into a second pair defenseman or, or better uh, to go with the high end guys we have, like Lucas Reichel, Frank Nazar, and, and Kevin Korchinski. And but this is this is step one of a long process. I mean, they just traded Kirby Duck, twenty year old center in the National Hockey League. It, this is going to take some time for them to turn it around. There's going to be a lot more losing ahead and a lot more draft picks to be made in Chicago. Even though, like I said, I think you're happy with the progress of say a guy like Lucas Reichel. I'll give you my pick to click for this year for Chicago, Wyatt Kaiser. I think you'd love if he was an inch or two taller, but that being said, the mobility and the fluidity there is, is really something to behold, and it would not surprise me at all if he's maybe their biggest riser over the course of the next year. Uh, all right, on to number 13, we got the Vancouver Canucks, the beneficiary of uh, Jonathan LeCaramacchi making it into the teens this year. I don't think many people saw him getting that deep in, but the headline here of the system is, as of right now, they still look at the top of their system and they see Quinn Hughes at the very top, uh, which is a great way to bolster yourself in these rankings. Yeah, no, I mean, this is probably one of those organizations that's uniquely benefited in terms of their rating from how I make it at U23. Quinn Hughes is obviously a star NHL player at the moment. And and after him, the, the, it would look really it would look a little bit different. This is going to look a little different for Vancouver a year from now. But we got to talk about Quinn Hughes, just how he's just, you know, emerged as a, as a, as a, as a true top defenseman in the NHL. Obviously, with his size, he may not ever be the best defender you ever want in your lineup, but offensively, he's just dynamic. Elite skater, skill, hockey sense combination. Incredibly fun player to watch. Uh, but even after him, like you said, you mentioned Lekker Maki. He's a good player. I think you got to like how Vasily Pekolzin progressed this year. Didn't have a big season, but he looks like he's going to be a good NHL player, a powerful winger with, with, with good skill, even if the feet are will, will remain an issue. Uh, but those are three guys I, between those, you know, Hughes, Pitkoles, and Lekaramaki who are exciting parts of the future. Moving on to number 12, we've got Columbus goes from a team that looked a little bit out to sea. And, and where are they going to go? Especially, you know, Seth Jones requests the trade and you're thinking the dominoes here could fall fast. Instead, a year later, we're looking at a system that is headlined by David Juracek, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, two of those three guys. Uh, were from the picks that they got for Seth Jones. Uh, Adam Boakvist is also among their top five prospects. He was in that trade. Uh, they also picked Denton Matejchuk in the top 15 this year. Uh, all of a sudden, Columbus has a really nice collection of young talent coming at the very top. Oh, yeah. I mean, you mentioned like it starts with David Yerchik and Ken Johnson. Those are two premium prospects. Guys, you think are going to play really high in the lineup, play important minutes for your team for a long time. Ken Johnson as a scorer. Yerchik as a two-way defenseman. Cole Sillinger looked excellent. Uh, this season, like I said, along with Moser, him, he, they were, they were the two guys to become full-time NHL players. The first two guys to become full-time NHL players from that draft class. Uh, yeah, and I think he's gonna. I don't know if he's gonna be elite, elite long-term score, but I think he could be a very physical, competitive, intelligent center in the NHL for a long time who can score at, at a at a good clip. 
for me, like there's a lot of guys I like in this system, but for me, the most interesting interesting part of the system are the Russians. It's Kirill Marchenko, it's Dmitry Voronkov, and it's Igor Chitikov. Uh, I think Marchenko is the most intriguing of the three from a pro potential standpoint. And he's a guy, when I talk to some scouts, there are still scouts I talk to who are really excited about this player because he's 6'3", he could skate, he has legitimate offensive skills and scoring ability. Didn't really have a big year in Russia last year, but again, I think this is a guy who I think will be given an opportunity to start up with the Blue Jackets, and there's a lot of upside in his game if it clicks. And if, if they get that guy to work, I think things change a little bit in terms of the the projection for Columbus going forward in the very near future. It's just a fascinating team, and not to keep fixating on the one trade, but I, I just think what it allowed them to do by getting you know two straight years where they had two picks in the top fifteen is you basically did four years of rebuilding in two years, and now you go out and you sign Johnny Gaudreau. You know, are people going to say, did they do this too fast? That's possible. You know, obviously, I think they're probably best served if they could pick in the top 10 one more time. But I just think it's it's a really fascinating collection of talent at the very top. And they do have a little bit of depth there when you think about, okay, can Corson Kuhlman's kind of rebound and, and, and be the, you know, the first round pick that they draft him to be in 2021. Uh, Luca Del Belbaluz is a guy who I think could have gone potentially in the first round this year. They've still got more irons in this fire that can really make this a really quick rebuild. Yep, I, I agree. I mean, just again, that trade of basically turning Seth Jones and David Yurchek, Cole Sellinger, Adam Boakfist. Uh, those are, I know Boakfist has some flaws, particularly defensively, but those are three very important long term pieces for them. Absolutely. Moving on to the number 11 team on our list, the Arizona Coyotes, another team that is as rebuilding as rebuilding gets. Uh, but this year they made a ton of picks, and I think they helped themselves a lot, starting at the very top. Uh, Logan Cooley, third overall. Uh, and, when you pair him with last year's first round pick, Dylan Genther, you start to have the look of, of two thirds of what could be a very good NHL first line three, four years from now. Yeah, and you got to imagine the Coyotes are going to pick low again this upcoming season. You're probably going to be adding whatever it is, Adam Fantilli, Connor Bedard, uh, Braden Yeager, or something along those lines into this system. Uh, and there's a lot of work left to be done in Arizona. They're progressing in a, in a good way. You know, we'll see where we are a year from now, whether Logan Cooley, Connor Geek can continue to take steps and progress uh, even further from where they are right now. Uh, I still like Barrett Hayton quite a bit. I think he's going to be an important part of their future. Uh, but it, there's a lot of work to be, be done here, but they're they're building something. I think you got to really like the progress that their second round pick from 2021, Giannis Moser, took this season. Stepping in almost immediately, I think he was the second player from the entire 2021 draft class to make the NHL and became a you know significant part of their lineup rather quickly. They signed Jack McBain, Nathan Smith. There's there's pieces coming together here, but it's going to be quite a few more years of pain, I think, in the desert. Two non-draft related or not entirely draft related things that I'm watching here with Arizona. Number one, if Jacob Chikrin is ever eventually traded, uh, what kind of infusion does that bring to the system? And two, can Victor Sodershim kind of recapture uh, the, all the all the hype that he had going into his draft years, the 11th overall pick, and, and looked like a really good player, hasn't quite hit that next step yet and, and made himself a full-time NHL, or even though he's had some success in the American Hockey League. Those two things, I think, are probably make or break for, for the Coyotes. Uh, not really break, but those two things could really elevate the Coyotes uh, over the next year. 
Yeah, I, I like Solar Shove. He's a good player. That did not have the star in North America that you probably hope for. He's a very skilled defenseman. I think he's going to need to learn how to be a little bit better of a defender as a pro. Maybe improve his skating a little bit more. But there's great skill and offensive IQ in his game for sure. All right, let's get now into the top 10 with the Los Angeles Kings. This was a group that was, I feel like, at the very top of these rankings for quite some time here. They still have a, a lot of the pieces that made them that. Obviously, Quinton Byfield, uh, still projected top lineup player, top line center long term here. Arthur Kaliev got into the NHL this year and was pretty good. Um, they've got some of, some of the, the top 10 picks that they've had in recent years. Alex Turcott, Brant Clark, although uh, I think you could argue Turcott probably you'd like to see a little more advanced at this stage than he's been. Uh, but Corey, the Los Angeles Kings, still a, a real nice ta- uh, pipeline of talent here on the way. Right. You got the top guys like Byfield and Kaliev. You have really good depth throughout the system. They go a little bit lower than before because guys are graduating a little in that guard. Gabriel, Gabriel Velarde, Jarrison Dolan, Mikey Anderson, Leah Sanderson, all those guys are, are, are considered graduates now from the 2017 class. And, you know, they probably would be a little bit higher if, if Turcotte was doing a little bit more in Ontario. Uh, if maybe Brian Clark wasn't as inconsistent in, in Barry as he was last season, even though I still think he's – both of them are very good prospects who – I think Clark's a top four defenseman. I think Turcock can be a top six four in the National Hockey League. So I don't mean to disparage both of them, but just they maybe didn't have the the huge years that you, that you would have expected. The depth here of the system, I, there's a couple of defensemen who I think it's worth keying in on, really. Kirill Kursanov in Russia, Tobias Bjornfoot, Helga Granz. You could put Jordan Spence into that mix. You know, I think this is a blue line that I think depth has been the story for, for what they've had. And uh, obviously we don't expect all four of these guys to end up in prominent roles for the Kings. Um, who do you like as, as from this group to kind of break through and eventually be one of the long-term pieces in LA? Well, I think Spence is the one that you have to look at. Just a you know, point per game guy in the American League this year. Comes up and plays quite a few games with the Kings. Looks, you know, his, his development has been pretty promising. Highly intelligent defenseman. Not the, you know, the biggest guy or the most elite skater, but he's really training in a positive way. And that's kind of why you want depth, right? You know, there's not all these guys are going to work. Not all these guys are going to be part of the next great Kings team. But when you get... If you get 10 bullets, you, you hope one or two of them really hit. And I'm not saying Spence is going to be that guy, but he's trending in a positive direction. And all those guys, I think, have really good chances to, to help their, their team. And, and uh, But like I said, I think Spence is the guy who's, who's probably trending, trending up the most right now among that group. All right, and then let's wrap up today with the New York Rangers. In fact, let's bring in our producer, Chris Flannery, here, uh, partly because a lot of the guys that we're going to be talking about with the Rangers are already on the Rangers and already making a big impact in some cases. We saw Keandre Miller and Braden Schneider very much a part of that team this year. Obviously, Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco are in that mix. Uh, Chris, you want to jump on here and, and join us to talk about the New York Rangers? Yeah, I'd love to do that. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I mean, I I think the one thing that's most interesting with the Rangers is those those top three guys that I have rated, which is Alexi Lafreniere, Andre Miller, Kapokako. Not just not only just how they play, but also the order that 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 I was kind of debating. I was really uh, with Keandre and Kako and Lafreniere. I was all had a lot of debates on all three of them because so I think you can make really reasonable arguments in either direction. I think with Lafreniere, you can argue it hasn't happened yet, but he's so talented. It will had a really strong playoffs. I think that could be a precursor of things to come. That was not an easy team to score on, not an easy power play to crack. And Keandre may never have the most offense in the world, but man, was he good in the playoffs and defensemen who look like that are not easy to find. Yeah, the thing that's interesting about Keandre Miller and his offense is that he does show flashes of it. He can pick up a puck in his own zone, and when he gets going, he can really fly through the neutral zone and, and make a move to the net. I think he's going to 
develop that skill a little bit more as time goes on. To the Alexi Lafreniere point, I think something that maybe gets a little overlooked in his game, and you mentioned it though, he 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 started to turn some heads with the way he was playing in the playoffs, but he still had 19 even strength goals uh, this past season. He was shooting a 17%, which is pretty much the same as Austin Matthews and hmm. Steven Stamko. So, you know, we, we could take that to me. I think, uh, you know, Lafreniere is really poised to, to take the next step this season and, you know, maybe approach 25 goals, 30 goals. He was only playing 13 minutes a night. So maybe with a little bit of an increased role, he could up that production as well. I debated lowering Lafreniere, maybe not giving him the high, you know, protected all-star tier that I gave him. But in my mind, given again, just how strong the Rangers are, how hard it was to make that power play. I'm open to waiting one more year to see how it goes for him going forward and see where we are this time next year. As opposed to maybe coming up with Kapo Kaka, who's had a couple, had the extra year in the NHL and, I maybe doesn't have as I think would argue even his best flashes haven't been as promising as Lafreniere and I think he's still an excellent hockey player but you know he's big he's competitive he has skill but I think Rangers fans are probably more realistic about what they have in this guy going forward. When we talk about the Rangers like they they are going to run into the salary cap here very soon and and, and already in some ways are starting to um, I think it's very important that they have guys like Brennan Oathman, Will Cooley, Brett Berard who in the coming years you can see uh, you know, breaking into their lineup and, and, and playing a bottom six role on an entry level contract, but bringing a little bit of upside to what to what they can do there. I think the most interesting thing with them next season is, is Kravtsov. You know, I, when I I was talking to our Rangers writer Arthur Staple about him a couple couple of weeks ago, and you know, he thinks he's going to be on the opening day lineup next season, which is interesting given how what seemed to be a pending divorce between this yeah. between these two this time last year. Uh, you know, he's a good player. He has the ability to be a top nine, if not a top six four in the National Hockey League with his six three frame, his great skill, his skating and his compete have never really historically been strong points. And I'm not fully convinced it's going to work, but I can see it working. I think he's a really talented player and that one will be a really interesting thing to monitor at camp and, and to start next season. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Corey. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what roles Capo and Vitaly Kravtsov have uh, next season because I think they're kind of going to be competing for similar ice time. Um, and I think you could probably see one or the other moved as you get close to the to the deadline, depending on how the how they you know how the season plays out for either one of them. I will say that I think Capo Caco looks like a, a middle six uh, winger, but I, I think that could be valuable on this team uh, where he does a lot of the dirty work in the corners and can kind of grind out around the net to complement some of the other, uh, you know, high skill players the Rangers have. You mentioned the wingers that might get moved. I think there's, you know, a defenseman that's going to move at some point too, just because I, I just don't see a future where Niels Lundqvist and Zach Jones are both on this blue line with to go with Adam Fox. And it looks like Zach Jones is the one that's trending more towards being on the opening day lineup. So I like both players, but I do wonder if one of those and pro- the lean to being towards Niels Lundqvist, I wonder if, if one of those guys is not a Ranger this time next year. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I mean, Zach Jones being a left-handed shot really helps. Um, Nils Lundqvist, who you know showed some flashes in the in the limited time that he had playing, it's going to be tough to crack a right side with Jacob Truba, Braden Schneider, and of course Adam Fox uh, at the top of that lineup. And both of those guys need to be on a power play to be in an NHL lineup. And I just you're just going to run out of spots eventually. And I I think they're both good players. I have no issues with either of them as hockey players. I mean, I pick apart their games, but I don't have. I think they're both strong NHL prospects. But eventually, one of them is going to have to go. Yeah, great. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. 
You can subscribe to The Athletic right now for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. And we will be back tomorrow with the top eight to finish out this list. Talk to you soon.